Thanks for listening to this message brought to you by Cornerstone Christian Church. So Hebrews chapter 12, and uh, I want to go back in to, um, to where I was at Wednesday night. If you were uh, here on Wednesday night, I, I mean, I left, uh, I, I don't know what, what you all uh, felt or whatever, but I felt the presence of the Lord really, really, really strong on Wednesday night, and I prayed, I, I, uh, I played a uh, country song um, by Brad uh, Paisley, and I actually preached from that. And the name of that song is uh, "Welcome to the Future." I listened to that song a good bit, and um, and it just says it just said there's just a lot in that song. And he talked about wherever we were going, we're here. And he's talked about when he was eight years old, how they took a eight hour drive, and he remember how cool it would be if they could just watch TV. And now we can take an eight hour drive, pop a DVD in, and we can watch TV. And he talks about on that song how he used to drive. He used to go had to get a ride to the arcade, but now I got it on my phone. And so uh, we we I talked Wednesday night, and I'm going to talk about that again tonight. What I want to talk about is stewardship, but I'm not really going to talk about stewarding money. Uh, um, although I believe that is important, but stewardship is. Is so more far bigger than just stewarding finances. Um, we got to steward our heart. We got to steward our time, gifts, and talents. And really, what I want to talk about is actually you stewarding your place in history, where you're at right now. How many knows this? According to Acts 17, I think it is verse 26, it says that God chose the time, and He chose the place of your dwelling. How many knows that? According to Acts 17:26, I believe that's the scripture. That he chose the time that you would be born, and he chose the the borders or, or the dimensions or however it's read in there. Basically, what it means is God chose when you would be here and where you would live at. Is basically what it said. So we got one opportunity in this life to steward what James calls is nothing but a vapor of time, nothing but a bubble of time. So we got to make every day count. We got to make the moment count. And we got to learn how to steward what we've been given. So let's look at this today. In Hebrews chapter 12, uh, verse 1, it says this. It says, Therefore we also, since we are surrounded by so great cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and sin which so easily uh, ensnares us, and let us run with endurance the races set before us. Look at this verse again. Therefore we also, since we are surrounded by so great cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and sin which so easily ensnares us, ensnares us, and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and has sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Now, basically, this verse is talking about, in, in, I mean, I never was a marathon runner, and you can look and see that, but, <laughs> and so, uh, never really got a chance to run the ball set when I was real young, and I, had, I, was on the, I was on the line holding them off, you know, and so, but anyhow, uh, what he's talking about here, if you are in a, uh, uh, in a race, when there's several team members of the race, um, one of the most da- dangerous uh, times of the race is when the baton is held off when it is handed off, okay? But what happens is the ones that started the race have to sit down, and what matters is how the race is finished. So what this is talking about, that since we are compassed about with such a great cloud of witnesses, the cloud of witnesses are the ones that paved the way for the kingdom thus far. They have sat down, and now they're in the grandstands. They have held the handed the baton off, and now they're watching for what you and I are going to, how we're going to run this race so listen we've been given one opportunity to steward this thing okay to steward what God is saying our job as a believer is not to sit here and to occupy a church pew listen Jesus died for far greater things for us to just tend church if that's what he died for man he endured the cross for something very cheap it has to be something more than just us attending church so Let's uh, let's I want to uh, look at um, 
I want to go back into where I was at uh, uh, Wednesday night, and then we'll talk about something else. So what I want to talk about is at Bethel, I've heard Bill teach about this a lot. He talks about living with a hundred-year vision. One of the things that too that I believe uh, we have got to have a vision of beyond just where I'm at in this thing. Okay, really, your responsibility in stewarding is actually is who you're going to hand the baton off to. And the Bible says a righteous man, listen, a righteous man, Proverbs 13, 22, leaves an inheritance to his children. So therefore, you and I have got to run the race where we have something to leave and something to impart into those coming behind us. We can't live with just seeing what, what the vision is for my life. I, I've got three boys. Not only that, I should be living and posturing my life in the way which their children are going to rise up. He's the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Anytime we just see Abraham, we don't have a true vision. It is the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. If we believe, and I believe that those ones in the nursery, I believe myself, but far beyond that, those in the nursery could see the coming of the Lord. We've got to position them different to make sure that they're bringing the kingdom into this world. All right, so let's look at this. In, in uh, 2 Kings chapter 20, verse 16. 2 Kings chapter 20. I read this verse of scripture on Wednesday night. 2 Kings chapter 20, verse 16. Now this is where um, Isaiah the prophet is fixing to come talk to Hezekiah because remember he opened his house and showed uh, and showed the, the enemy really everything that was in his house. And so he sinned against God and God's about to judge him for that right here when we read this, okay? So if we're going to live with a vision, that's beyond me, realizing I'm but a vapor, that my job as a believer is not here to hang on and hold it till, till, the Lord till the Lord returns, but I'm to take everything He's invested into my life through gifts and talents, are you with me now, and I'm to bring increase in that, and I'm to expand the kingdom for a generation coming behind me. That's what I'm going to preach, and I'm going to take up 45 minutes to say that, okay? All right. Then Isaiah said to Hezekiah, Hear the word of the Lord. Behold, the days are coming when all that is in your house and what your fathers have, accum have accumulated until this day shall be carried away to Babylon. Nothing shall be left, says the Lord. And they shall take away some of your sons who will descend from you whom you will beget, and they shall be eunuchs in the palace of the king of Babylon. And so Hezekiah said to Isaiah, the word of the Lord which you have spoken is good. For he said, there will not be peace, will, will there not be peace and truth at least in my days? Man, this is a very sad text to read of a leader that was such a great reformer but one of the things that he had lost is he lost his vision for those that were coming after us. One of the things that when we see somebody, let's just say this, in, in the house of God, if we saw some people, some, some, a family or whatever, let's say a dad that was attending the house of God, he was faithful to the house of the Lord, I mean just lived a godly life, and all of a sudden we see him living just crazy out here, turning about face, going the other way. The number one thing I would tell you is he has lost his vision. The Bible says in Proverbs, I believe it's 23:18, where there is no vision, in other words, where there's no prophetic revelation, that people cast off restraint and run wild. What keeps us focused on the journey is the vision that we have of what we're trying to accomplish. I'm not necessarily talking about goal setting because you can do that in the world, but I'm talking about the vision that God has placed within us of what we feel like that God has called us to, to accomplish. Another thing is that Hezekiah was selfish and he thought the race was to be lived for himself. There's so many in the race that want to live the race for themselves, but we are the only thing. Listen, this thing ain't about me. It's to freely receive and to freely give what I have been freely given. Are you with me now? It's not about me, but it's about me uh, being really just a branch hooked to the, hooked to the trunk so that I can produce something to give away. 
And so, um, so uh, Hezekiah says, Isaiah, what you prophesied is good. What he prophesied was everything that your father labored for. Everything that you have accumulated to right now. There's going to come a generation after you that that will be stripped from them and they will be eunuchs in Babylonian captivity. That is not a good word. Listen, we've got to live today with seeing what we're doing counts. Every day that I, that I go in my prayer closet, it's making a difference regardless if the enemy makes me feel like I'm not changing anything it is impossible to pray the will of God and nothing happen are you with me now according to 1 John 5 if I pray according to his will I know that I have that which I've asked for so it is impossible for me to pray the will of God and nothing happen so every day is to steward this I heard a story of um, of a young girl at was at um uh, Bethel School of Supernatural Ministry and she, she uh, her and her husband or whatever and she got pregnant and, um, and she brought her home about three to four months or whatever and then she started getting sick and then um, she just couldn't overcome the sickness or whatever and so she went to the doctor and they found out that um, she had uh, she had cancer or whatever and it was uh, at a very high level in her body and um, they told her that they could um, they could give her chemo and with a high levels of radiation they thought that they could bring the cancer down but one of the things that the radiation would do is it would kill the baby that was inside of her and so but they told her that if she did not take the radiation that she would probably give birth to the baby but it would probably cost her her life she chose not to take the radiation and when the child turned right before the child turned two years old the mother actually lost her life I gave you that story to say this. We have got to start living for something that's beyond ourselves. Are you with me now? We've got to start living. Listen, we've got to live with a vision in this community that I'm here to make it better for somebody else. I'm here to pioneer something in the kingdom. Listen, I may never see, I may never see the cancer-free zone in my lifetime, but if we will steward it to head to that direction, are you with me now? If we will steward it and head it to that direction and keep the ship sailing in that direction, there will come a generation behind us right here that will see a cancer-free zone. Someone has to pioneer some things. See, pioneers get off the beaten path. Everybody's on the four-lane. I've always been called to the woods. There's something about that that highlights me. But one thing about pioneers is you have to pave a path and clear a way for someone else. One of the things about vision is vision has to be, we talked about this Wednesday night, that the world says that seeing is believing. In the kingdom, believing is seeing. And I gave you this story in, 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 I believe it was in 1976, somewhere along in there, that Walt Disney World in, uh, Disney World in Orlando, Florida opened its, opened its, um, opened the doors or whatever. And, but two years before Disney opened in Orlando, Florida, Walt, uh, died. Walter Disney died. And on the day of that ribbon cutting and that celebration, one of the key people down there said that I wish that Walter would have been able to see this today. And whenever he sat down, the key spokesman for Disney stood up and he said, Walter did see it. That's why we're standing here today. If I can see it, I can walk to it. Why did God, when he promised a man that had no children named Abraham, who had gave up on having children, why did he call him outside the tent when he prophesied to him? He told him to come outside your tent and look up at the stars because if you can see it, you can have it. All right. So number one, we've got to get rid of to live with a vision of how we're going to steward our life is I've got to get rid of the thing called selfishness. This is not about me, but it's about me living my life for someone else, okay? 
Uh, let's look at this. Um, um, and a righteous man, Proverbs 13, 22. Number two, this is what has killed us. This is what's killed us for decades in the church. Is this, is, um, is the rapture mentality. I 100% believe in the rapture of the church. Who believes in that in this room? I 100% believe in the rapture of the church. I believe in the snatching away in 1 Thessalonians chapter 4 and 5. I believe absolutely every bit of that. I believe in personal holiness you should live as if he's coming back today. I heard that preached all the time when I was a little boy, especially on Sunday morning. The preacher would actually end the services saying that we'll be back here, Lord willing. You know what I'm saying? We didn't know if we was coming back or not. But that mentality that he's not, he's coming back before we get back to church, what it has done is crept in the church and we've not, be, we've not built and we've not planned like he's not. We, listen, in your personal holiness, you've got to live like he's coming back today. But in building and planning, you have got to live like he's not coming in your lifetime. I remember when I got saved, uh, I was 18 years old, and I remember um, when I sat down with our uh, resource manager uh, at the phone company, and she asked me how much I wanted to put in retirement, how much I wanted to put in this account or whatever, and I said, listen, I don't need to put nothing in retirement. The Lord's coming. I'm going to spend all mine. How many knows that is ridiculous? What would have happened at 60 years old if he hadn't have came? Well, maybe we ain't got nothing to retire on. We done spent all ours. Listen, that mentality is in the church. Why do, why do I need to make a difference when he's going to come? Listen, the law of restoration, John, Jesus gave us a picture in John chapter 2 that he saved the best wine for last. And listen, what you believe about eschatology, eschatology is study of end times. What you believe about the end will determine how you live in the middle. If I told you to go restore a 1953 Corvette and I told you money wasn't an option, I want you to put the best, I want it totally restored back like it was from the factory. And I, and I gave you a, just a check and I said, you just go do it and hand me the car. But when you were halfway into the the car, I told you that when you get that car completely restored that I'm going to enter it into a crash derby. It would affect the way you work on the car. The same way with the rapture mentality in the church. Listen, we've got to get rid of this. We know this, that Jesus is not coming to rescue a church. Hello. There's nowhere in the Bible that depicts him as a rescuer of the church. He's coming back Ephesians when Paul saw this great mystery concerning when he talked about husband and wife. He said, I speak of a great mystery concerning Jesus and his church. He's coming back for a glorious church without one spot, one wrinkle that is in equal proportion to her head. Gosh, I feel like I'm priming a whale. He's coming back for a glorious church. The Bible says, there's a scripture in Zechariah says we're coming into a day that the weakest one in the church will be like David and the greatest will be like God. That does not sound like a weak, battered church. All right, let's move on. Matthew 25. Matthew 25, verse 14. Matthew 25, verse 14 says this. I'm going to read a good bit right here. Listen, for the kingdom of heaven is like a man traveling to a far country who called his own servants... And delivered his goods to them. And to one he gave five talents. To another two. To another one. To each according to his own ability. And immediately he went on a journey. There's so much you could preach. Right? He gave each one to what? To his own ability. Uh, then one who had received five talents went and traded with them. And made another five talents. And likewise the one who had received two gained, gained two more also. But he who, re who had uh, received the one, one went and dug in the ground and hid his Lord's money. After a long time, the Lord, the Lord of those servants came and settled accounts with them. 
So he who had received five talents came and brought five other talents, saying, Lord, you delivered me five talents. Look, I have gained five more talents besides them. And the Lord said to him, Well done, good and faithful servant. You are faithful over a few things. I will make you ruler over many things. Enter into the joy of your Lord. He who also had received two talents came and said, Lord, you delivered to me two talents. Look, I've gained two more talents besides them. His Lord said to him, well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful over a few things. I will make you ruler over many things. Enter into the joy of your Lord. Then he who had received the one talent came and said, Lord, I knew you to be a hard man. Look at this. Reaping where you have not sown and gathering where you have not scattered seed. And I was afraid and went and hid your talent in the ground. Look, there you have made what is yours. But his Lord answered and said to him, You wicked and lazy servant, you knew that I reap where I have not sown and gathered where I have not scattered seed. So you ought to have deposited my money with the bankers, and at my coming I would receive my back my own with interest. Therefore, take the talent from him and give it to him who has ten talents. For to everyone who has, more will be given, and he will have abundance. But him who does not have, even what he has will be taken away. And cast the unprofitable servant into outer darkness. There will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Wow. Listen, everything the Father does in our lives, he expects increase. There is never a decrease in the kingdom of God. Since God has set it in motion, there has never been a decrease. Now, the other Wednesday night, we prayed, and I believed, and, and I have received some of that. When we talked about that, we just felt like there was just a great realm of anointing came in here for finances, and we prayed over everyone's business or whatever. And I think it was Dusty that was standing over there, and, and Terry, you were praying over him, and you said that we've got to quit saying feast or famine. Listen, in the kingdom, there is absolutely famine does not exist. If famine existed in the kingdom or lack existed in the kingdom, then Jesus would have demonstrated that while he was on earth. He never demonstrated lack. Every need that arised in the face of Jesus, there was provision for it. When they needed to pay the taxes, he told Peter, go down there and catch a fish. When you open that fish's mouth, he's going to have a shekel in there. You take that money out of that fish's mouth, go take care of your taxes and my taxes also. When there was 5,000 men, not counting women and children, who were hungry, Jesus found a boy with two loaves and a few fish, and he reached into an unlimited realm, and he broke that off of that. He broke this realm off of... um, the fish and loaves, and there provided a meal. There was never lack or demonstration of lack in his life. Come on now. So the kingdom only knows increase. And so what God is saying, the listen, the one with the one talent preserved or held on, waiting on him to come get him. That is not what he's looking for. He's looking for the investment which he made in your life, the talent that he gave you, that you to bring increase to that, and you to bring a demonstration of that in the place that he has sown you. All of us in that parable of the sower, there's so much in that, but all of us have been like seed in the Father's hand. We have been sown into different places of this society and this community here, okay? And he expects us to be the salt in the light and to bring a difference in that place. So, in the, in the parable of the fig tree, Jesus and his disciples are coming into town and Jesus sees a fig tree and the Bible plainly says that it is not the time, it is not the time for figs. It's not, the, it's not, it's not uh, harvest time, it, it's not the time for uh, um, uh, figs. Matt sang a song this morning, it's always springtime in the kingdom. Listen, this is how we're to live our lives. There is never, listen, what Jesus is saying, he goes to the fig tree, it's not time for figs, the disciples wasn't looking for none, but Jesus was looking for something. He goes to the fig tree and he does not find any figs on there and he curses that fig tree. What is he showing us? Why did Jesus place a demand on that tree Why did he place a demand on that tree when it wasn't in season? What he's trying to say, the kingdom does not have seasons. Come on now. Well, we just in this type of season in God. No, there's no seasons in God. There's one season and it's increase. There's one season in the kingdom and it's feasting. 
He's showing that tree that if you are plugged into a kingdom that is unshakable, always increasing, you don't have to wait for springtime, fall time, winter time, and summertime. It is always springtime in the kingdom of God to produce figs. Out at, uh, there's a, um, I believe this is at Bethel, not IHOP, but in their prayer house or whatever, they have a flower in there that is supposed to bloom one time a year. But where they were, where in that prayer house, that flower blooms nonstop all year. Why is that? Why is that? Because that realm breaks all limitations off of this realm. We're to live as if there is absolutely no lack. We just, we just went over the, remember when Jesus, before he served, when I was preaching on servanthood, before he served, remember he said that he knew that he came from God and he knew that everything that the Father possessed was his. As a son, everything that the Father possessed, I now have ownership of. So, he showed me that there's no, no lack in the season right here. Let's look at uh, Amos chapter 9. I want to show you a great promise right here. In Amos chapter 9. If I can find the book of Amos. It's right after the book of Mark. Amos chapter 9. Listen to this. He said, Behold, the days are coming. Behold, the days are coming, says the Lord, when the plowman shall overtake the reaper and the treader of grapes with him who sows seeds. The mountains shall drip with, uh, drip with sweet wine, and the hills shall flow with it. Look at this. Behold, the days are coming. God is saying that there's coming a day of maturity in the church that the plowman will plant, and the reaper, and the reaper, the, the, the plowman will sow, and the reaper will be reaping at the same time. Do y'all see this right here? Are you with me? I know I ain't bumping chests in here right here, but hang, can you give me 10 minutes right here? He's saying that there's coming a day in the church that the man that is sowing and the man that are reaping is going in one, one motion. What's being sown is being reaped. What's being sown is being reaped. What's been sown is being reaped. What's been sown is being reaped. He's talking about that kingdom that it's always springtime. When you plant, boom, there it is. You don't have to wait. Listen, you... It's, you I mean, it's, you release it, pow, there it is. You release it, pow, there it is. You follow what I'm saying? This is, this is the thing that he's trying to get us to in the kingdom. All right. So I want to I go right here to Romans chapter 4. Romans chapter 4, I'm going to finish up with this. In Romans chapter 4. Romans chapter 4. Verse 17. As it is written, I have made you a father of many nations. In the presence of whom, of whom he believed, God who gives life to the dead and calls those things which do not exist as though they did. Finishing with this. As your place and my place of stewardship, I've got to position myself in a place of prayer that number one to hear, number one, I got a book. I got 66 books of the promises of God. I just read you one that there's coming a day when the plowman and the reaper, what he sows, whatever. I just read you another one. I quoted it out of Zechariah where it says, the weakest one in the house of God will be like David and the greatest like God. How many knows that's a great church right there? Now, as, as, as stewardship, my responsibility is to get at a place where I know His promises. Number one, He speaks to me His promises. And number two, I have the written promises in the Word. And now I must stand as a son to call forth those things to happen on the earth. When we, when, like a lot of times when you miss, listen to Matt in worship, there's a lot of declaration in his worship. We, worship in the, in most in the, in the Word of God, if I'm not wrong, it is, it is when we're singing over the people. Is that right, Matt? You're declaring over the people. You know what I'm saying? We're declaring something over you. We de he's declared this morning that it's always springtime. Another thing we declared, that we have a great Father that is not upset with us. He loves us. You know what I'm saying? 
And so the, the, the place of declaration, Bishop Joseph Garlington says this. He says, nothing happens on the earth until it is first declared. Jesus just did not haphazardly show up and be born one day. He didn't show up out of the blue. If he showed up out of the blue, why did Matthew take the time in Matthew chapter 1 to write all of that genealogy? He was prophesied on earth to be here. The first prophecy given about him is his Genesis chapter 3 verse 15. Every word that has been spoken over this house, I believe they still hang in the balance. It takes a people to believe to call them forth. Listen, if Adam could design his world, I'm just saying, if Adam could design his world, God gave Adam the place of naming the animals, designing the garden. God left that to Adam. Adam blew it. Could it be that Jesus has restored me back to the same level that Adam had and now I play a role in creation and history, listen, which is his story. Now I play a role to steward what I say to call it into existence. Huh? Listen, religion always puts him in the past and in the future. They never bring God to right here, right now. But God is, is a God of right here, right Jeremiah 23, 23. Because we got all kind of, we hear all kind of songs. You know, there was a secular song talking about God is watching us from a distance. That's not what the Bible says. The Bible says he is a God at hand, at near, not a God afar off. So my role is to hear his voice and now like Abraham, I start calling into existence what could be held off for another day. We see it in the life of David. David, is, uh, David functioned as king and priest. Number one, he was under the law. When you were under the law, only one man went into the Ark of the Covenant once a year. Am I in the Bible? One man went into the presence of God once a year behind that veil. David had such a heart for the presence. There's so much in that. The Bible says throughout the days of Saul, they never sought after the ark of Israel. When David became pastor, he was not concerned about the people. He was concerned about the presence. Are you with me? He was concerned about the people, but his heart was the presence of the Lord. So they go after the go get the ark. You know the story. They put it on a new cart, trying to bring it back to Jerusalem. God kills Uzzah, drops him dead. But that didn't stop David. David realized they did not seek after due order. Went back with the Levite priest, put the ark on the shoulders, and brought it back to Jerusalem. When David brought it back to Jerusalem, he had a tent stretched out on the side of Mount Zion. There was no veil between the ark of the presence and the people. Why did not God drop him dead? Hello? That was not legal for David. Are you with me now? That was not legal for David. They still was having church over there in Moses' tabernacle while the presence of God dwelt over where, where David was. They still had church. And today we still gather in a lot of churches that the presence is not absolutely not there. And we got where we don't know the difference. Come on now. But listen, David's heart, David's heart for God. Listen, he was not perfect. David had a lot of mistakes, and I love about God, he, he doesn't just show the good about them, he shows the other side too. Are you with me now? But his heart was for God. Are you with me now? When Saul sinned, Saul didn't want to repent, he just told Samuel, will you walk in front of me before the people so they know everything's right. But when David sinned, read Psalm 51, he said, I've sinned against you, O God. He brought himself down to repentance. And so David looked, David modeled under an old covenant law what was legal for a New Testament believer. You get what I'm saying here? He modeled what was available to the New Testament believer under the old covenant. You and I, there's so many scriptures in that Bible. Yes, some are for the millennium. Some are talking about the millennium. But what if, what if God wanted some of that to happen right now? You can't just look at it and say, well, that's reserved for another day. No, I, I, I don't believe that. I don't believe that God just wants to move in Redding, California, or just Hamilton, Alabama, or Kansas City. I don't believe there's certain just little zones that God wants to move. I believe that God is looking for a group of people that say, hey, I know God is... If God can move in Hamilton, Alabama, and if he can move in Redding, California, and if he can move out in Kansas City or everywhere else he has, or in Kentucky, why can't God move here? 
It takes hunger and passion and stewarding what, you, what you've been given to bring increase to it. It is not for the select few. When you talk about stewarding the mouth, number one, I, my Jesus, I need to be the first one on the altar, okay? And somebody else hold. But listen, he said that power of life and death are in the power of your mouth. Those who love it shall eat of its fruit. A lot of fruit we're eating is what we've created. I'm almost done right here. Listen, the devil, people talk about, well, that's the, the, the devil. Listen, the devil cannot create nothing. He is a created being, not a creator. How does he get his will brought into the earth? He uses your voice and my voice, whom God gave the power to create with our mouth. I bought one of the chest right I felt like, like he come all over me for a minute. I'm telling you, Rick Flair's anointing. Come on. He uses my mouth. Listen, James says sweet water and bitter water shouldn't flow out the same fountain, but it's amazing when times are high, we got sweet water flowing. But we ever get in the valley, it's amazing how we let the bitter water come out. If we don't learn how to shut the bitter water off, we'll keep drinking the bitter water. We got to learn how to prophesy and call in what we want. I'm not talking about a name and claim it. I'm talking about in a relationship with Almighty God where I hear his voice and I start speaking out of my voice what he's saying about my life, my city, my church, my nation. My God. That's, it's, I'm not talking about some blab it, grab it. I'm talking about hearing his voice and then I start releasing it. Adam was in the spirit when he was when he started naming something he wasn't just that's a cow he was calling out the destiny of that animal God has restored us back to that place well I just I tell you right now this is how we, we I don't know if we're going to make it I don't know if we're going to make it that is listen when we say statements like that we act like we serve some dead little bitty toy huh I've been in third world countries where they, where they, where children are sticking their hands in the fire, rubbing some dead god, and they got more faith than we do. We go on the job. We, we, you know, gas price, anything go up. You know, gas is four dollars. I don't know what we're gonna do. Well, it's kind of like Pastor Dale always said: you gonna pay it or walk. That's, I tell you what, we did at our house. We pay for the gas. <laughs> we had to cut the movies out and we bought the gas. <laughs> I ain't riding a bicycle. <laughs> but listen to me. The unbeliever, the unbeliever hears that talk and why do they want to serve your God? Huh? Why does the unbeliever want to serve the God that you serve when you talk that way? Like, the, well, all we can do is pray. The greatest thing we can do is pray. Because when I pray, something's going to happen. And listen, I remember people used to come up to Kenneth Hagin and say this. Say, well, well I, believe I, got, I believe I got this. And you know what Kenneth Hagin say? He said, well, you go back and you can have what you believe for. But if you're going to come and stand in front of me, you're going to believe that you serve a God that hears our prayer when we talk to him. Come on, somebody. And you're going to believe when you turn around here what we just prayed for happened. Because he said, well, two or three touch together in his name. That thing shall be established. Don't come up here saying you believe you got something. Come here and say, I believe I've been healed because I've been prayed for. I believe I'm blessed because I serve an awesome God. I believe things are changing because my God is alive. That's the talk that's got to come out of our mouth. If we go steward something, we got to speak what we believe is going to happen. Well, it's just getting real bad. That's the absolute lie. It's not getting bad. There's a farmer over now. Every time you see him, he said, boys, I've seen it going like this for days and then get worse. <laughs> Listen. <laughs> things are not getting bad on the earth they're not they are 100 they are getting better every day every race on the planet is better now than it's ever been the deal is is we sit there with Fox News and CNN breaking news right now 
And all they're, they're monitoring everything that's going on. They'll have everybody dead. I don't watch, I'm telling you right now, I don't watch the news. I couldn't tell you what's going on on earth. If God don't tell me, I, and the only reason why I knew something, that's, that's probably not wisdom, brother, but the only reason why I knew something was going on in Baltimore is because I saw on MLB of them playing a the game and nobody sitting in the stands. And I told Grant, I said, hey, something going on in Baltimore. We better find out. But listen to me. The average person is hit with over 50,000 negative thoughts a day. You're going to speak what you hear. It's things is getting bad. Things is getting real bad. Things is getting real bad. You know what? Listen, out of the mouth that God created for you to praise him and to let the sweet water flow from and the role that he gave you of, of stewarding your place with your mouth to create you speaking, look at what you're sowing out. It's bad. We broke. We ain't going to make it. We sick. And then all of a sudden you get three months down the road, you broke and you sick and you wonder what in the world happened. That's exactly what you planted. That's what you planted. Now, listen here. Even though you are broke, but this is what, I ain't talking about faith, but I'm talking about this is the mentality. Father, I thank you that you provide all my need according to your riches and glory. Father, I thank you that even though I may be in a season right now that seems like there's lack, I thank you that you have blessed me with all spiritual blessings, God. I thank you that your hand is upon my life, and I thank you that this too shall pass. Paul. Listen to this. I'm talking about the way we should be in the storms of life. Right here. I'm, give me, I'm on my last five minutes right here. I see the airport, okay? I'm telling you, I got the landing gear out. I'm fitting to come in, come in hot. Listen. Imagine this. Paul, I'm talking about right here in the days we live in. Paul. Paul is on a ship that has just, just had the natural born Hades beat out of it by a storm. Listen to this. Storm has beat them. Paul told them not to sell out. He said, boys, I'm telling you, I know the sun looks like it's beautiful, but I'm telling you, don't go out. In the middle of that storm, this is how you're to be, salt and light. An angel appeared to Saul, I mean to Paul. And he said, tell them that not one person on this ship, all the ship's going to be lost. This thing's coming apart. But there's not a man on this ship that's going to lose his life, if you listen to me. Now think about us. Gas prices just went up. Stock market just fell. It's setting at 6500 Oh, God, we is, it's over. Listen to what Paul said. He said, men, come here. Come here. Listen to me. I just want you to know the God that I serve spoke to me last night. This is what he said. He said, fear not and take courage. Everything on this ship's going to be lost. We're going to lose the food. We're going to lose the ship. Everything's going down. But listen here. According to the word of the God I serve, not a man on this ship's going to lose his life. That is stewarding the resources of heaven. And that's how we demonstrate the kingdom of God. I'm almost finished right here. Right here, I told you. Landing gears down, Ephesians chapter 4. I'm going to preach on the fivefold ministry so we won't have to come back tonight. No, listen. I'm on done right here. Ephesians chapter 4. Man, why did I write that down wrong? Where am I at? Okay. Right here, I see it. Ephesians chapter 4 verse 29. Let no corrupt word proceed out of your mouth. But what is good for necessary, what is good for necessary edification. Look at this. That is good, what and necessary for encouragement. My God, listen to me. If you don't hear nothing I say this morning, listen to me. I'm talking about myself right here. I'm the biggest old me in the room. We have got to use this mouth. To edify and encourage. Now this is what it does. 
that it may what impart what grace to the hearers. What is grace? Grace is unmerited favor, but it is all, it is also the operational power of the kingdom. So what he's saying is, Matt, when I encourage you or you encourage me or you encourage Cleve or I encourage Cleve or Stanton, it imparts an operational power in his life. A divine enablement. Enablement. Let not a corrupt word come from your mouth, but that which encourages or edifies the hearer. If I encourage the hearer, it imparts grace to accomplish their vision. If I remember right, Michael Jordan was cut, I believe, from his his freshman year, right? Or, Or even maybe in his sophomore. But he was cut from the basketball team in high school. I just don't know if you really got it. Well, now he's worth over a billion dollars and nobody will wear number 23 and he's the best player of all time. But you know what he did? He had a father that said, Michael, you can do it. You're the best I've ever seen. Mike, you can make the shot. It's when you, little kids or whatever, I had this little kid on my little baseball team or whatever and we had two outs and he come up to the plate and he looked up at me and he said, he said, how many outs we got? I said, two. He said, I was afraid of that. <laughs> he looked back at He said, I was afraid of that. And I told him, I said, listen to me. If you don't believe you can do it, you're never going to do it. If you go up to the plate believing you're going to strike out, you're probably going to strike out. What God wants us to do is to look at one another and say, listen, you got it. Let's say, for instance, one of us messes up or falls down. We're right there to say, get up, keep going. This is how I've seen it happen in times past in church. I've seen people fall and I've seen other church people say, well, I know they didn't have it to start with. I've been watching them. They've been slipping. Listen, if they've been slipping, why hadn't you been calling them, encouraging them to get on up further? Hello. We're not to be cannibals in the house of God. We're to be encouragers. We're not to feast on like buzzards. Listen, you're not to be a buzzard anyhow. Buzzards feast on something somebody else killed. We're called to be eagles to track our own prey in the spirit. Hello. If I steward it well, I got the opportunity to look into the face of God and say, God, what do you have for this city? What do you have for this city? God, what are you still saying about this church? God, what did you say in the 90s? What did you prophesy over this place? And I got the ability to hear it again, then to remind the people, listen to me, it's as fresh on the heart of God as if he just released it. You remember when Zechariah was in the place of, of, of prayer and, and Gabriel come down and he said, the Lord has heard your prayer. He wasn't talking about the prayer he just prayed. He was talking about the prayer he prayed when he was a young man, when he wanted a child. He said, the Lord said he's going to give you a child and you, you should call him John. Listen, God, those prayers and those prophecies are just as much on the heart of the Lord this morning as they've ever been. We just got to be a people to hear what God is saying and start releasing it. Well, sparks shall fly. I told you this. What we we gave this um, Miss Mary, her sister, Miss Lizanne, right? Her sister and her mother's in the nursing home. Is that right, Miss Mary Broom? All right, and, and um, I think she's talking about her sister. And her sister's not. My, the mind's gone, right? Okay. So anyhow, so Mary said she was sitting in front of her sister, and she just asked her sister. She said, she said. You don't even know who I am, do you? And she said her sister looked right dead at her and said, Sparks will fly. Listen, God will use whatever he's got to use to speak to us. Are you with me? To remind us the promise. But my deal is to hear the promise and call it forth. Steward this fountain and use it for edification and not to tear one another down. When I edify him, when I tell him how awesome that God thinks about him, 
Dusty's an encourager. He has seen you eight YouTube videos a day. He has seen you great words of encouragement, but he's an encourager. Are you with me now? We need encouragement in the house of the Lord. Come on now. When you're going through a tight time, you need encouragement. When you're going through a trial, you need encouragement. You don't need people sitting there watching you. Listen, the, the, those in the grandstand of heaven, the cloud of witness, they're not looking at the field thinking we're going to fall. Hello. They're looking at the field saying, hey, they're about to run this thing. Listen, I know the enemy thinks he's got us pushed in the corner. I used to think that where it said the gates of hell shall not prevail against the church. I used to believe we had a defense to keep him out of the end zone. That is absolutely not what it means. It means the devil has no defense to the offense that God's got on the field. We can run the ball at any time, whichever way we want it, because we serve an awesome God with an unlimited kingdom. And I'm his child sitting here on the earth as an ambassador to make that thing a reality in the realm in which I live in. When we went to the Christian school and pulled the braces off of that child, we demonstrated to a whole school there's a greater reality in this world. It's the kingdom of God. When Jesus cast out devils, he said the finger of God has come upon you. That is the Holy Ghost at work and that's the hand of God in our midst. That's the deal. We got an opportunity to make a difference. How are we going to live it? How are we going to live the vapor? Am I going to steward what I say? Am I going to prophesy over my city? I'm going to say, well, there ain't nothing good going to ever come out of Adel. Baloney, something great's going to come from here. Are you with me now? Something great's going to come from this dirt right here. He's been too much. Listen, if I if, I'm about better quit right Listen, if I don't ever say another prayer, there's enough blood crying out from the ground here, crying out to God for prayer. Hello, he's coming to move of God. Are you with me now? I don't know if it's around the horn. I don't know if it's over the corner. That's not my job. My job is to see the cloud the size of a man's hand and tell, and tell Gehazi, get up. There's coming a mighty flood. Well, ain't nothing but a man's hand. I said, get up. There's coming a flood. And he outran that thing 19 miles back to Jezreel and there came a flood to cut off that famine. You see the cloud the size of a man's hand or do you see a move of God? When Bill went to Bethel, he said the Holy Ghost fell on one person. I know we're charismatic now, Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit hit one person, one. I've seen God hit at least 30 here. One person. Pow, power God's at. He looked at Ben and said, he's here. What's here now is unstoppable. You know what we look for? We, we got to see the mighty wind. We got to see the whole cloud black. I can see the fire in two or three and say it's here. See the fire in one and say it's here. What's here now is unstoppable. You won't shut this down. I'm telling you, church, listen to me. God give you an awesome role as a believer. He has seated you with Him in heavenly places and your role with Him is to co-labor with Him to bring a difference in the world that you and I live in. We are not here to hold on and wait on the rapture. If we're going to do that, I'm going to do it at the house with Joe. used to listen to Damon Thompson a lot. I'd have to have Joe right there to throw it in and put the bandage over how deep he just cut me. I didn't think I was ever going to make it. You know what I'm saying? He holding us to hell, I mean, or get out. You know what I'm saying? Die or, or burn. You know what I'm saying? I mean, it was, he preaching, you know, something tell you how to live your best life. I'm teaching how to die. Stand up with me. Man, I'm telling you, listen to me. You've been given a great role. Gosh, almighty, we've been entrusted with a bunch. It blo- I'm telling you, God has entrusted us with a pile of stuff. He ain't expecting you to take what you got and go bury it, bury it down. He's coming looking for something. When he comes, will he find faith on the earth? He's looking for you to bring increase to what you got.
we probably all ought to take about two seconds right here and ask the Lord to forgive us for what we've been speaking. I'll be the first one. I can tell you this. When we prayed that night, I've never, I've never been, I'm telling you, maybe because it's never happened to me. I've never, I've heard about people, man, you know, got the $10,000, that never, that just, that ram of money, it just, nobody's ever given me gifts like that. You know what I'm saying? <clears throat> I remember going when I was a young evangelist, we preached in this big church, and I told Kevin, I said, my gosh, you know, they're going to be an offering here tonight. They was 80-something dollars. Didn't, didn't pay for the gas to get there. And then we went to this little church, and I mean I preached for a week in this little old church in Waycross, Georgia. I'm talking about spitting four rows deep. I preached my guts out in that place. And uh, 40 people. The offering was over 800. God told me right then, don't never judge it by the size. I'll always take care of you. But when we prayed that about that anointing, the next two days in what I do, we had record days. And I mean, it was like just, I mean, so much that we can't get it done. I mean, it just like, boom, just, just, just happened. But I've been so guilty of when, when, when it's, when a run in a tight season, to act like God's left us. Grant, Grant, Grant could tell the truth. He's heard me say it out of my, and see, I got to repent of that because listen to me, the Holy Spirit is imprisoned, is in prison in unbelieving believers. The greatest sin is unbelief. It's unbelief. And what it is, we live here. Let me show you, we live here. A different way than we live at home. I'm not talking about drinking beer. I'm not talking about movies. I'm not talking about none of that. But we sing the songs. No power in hell. We're jumping in here. No power in hell. Nothing can stop my God. He's awesome is what we jump in here. But in the quietness of the home, our children here speak as if we don't even serve Him. That's a mixed message. I remember when Grant was a little boy that he was running. He might have been two and a half, three. And he crashed on the hardwood and it just pow, popped his tooth out. It's, it's, it just come out. And we would pray every night. I said, God, I'll grow you another tooth by in the morning. And after about what? Four years, God grew that tooth. <laughs> but if something happens to me, I want him to know. Friend, I'm telling you, I've been serving the Lord since I was 18. I can honestly say he has never let me down. He's absolutely blown me away at times. He has been so faithful to my family. When I lost my dad at 52, it may have looked like God let me down. God never let me down. Because when he stepped, when he drawed his last breath, he stepped into the realm I'm trying to get to. And I'll see him face to face. Father, I just thank you that you're so good. Father, help us to steward. Help us to steward this vapor of moment of time so well. God, I've, I've fallen at my own house and I repent of that. Help my sons hear faith come out of my mouth. Lord, let me release encouragement to each other. God, let us be a church that when we see one another, we so encourage one another that we don't bite one another's heads off, that we don't, that we don't, that we don't speak down about them saying, well, I don't know if they really got it. Let us impart grace. Let us impart grace. Let us impart grace. Let us impart grace. 
See, we just look at him. We just say like, Joey, you're going to make it. You're going to make it. You're going to finish the race. You're going, God's going to complete everything that he started in you. You're going to finish. You are triumph. You are victor. You're not a victim. You are the victor in Christ. God has led you into victory. The devil has lost the battle and God has won. That's how we impart grace. And what happens in that moment is that infusion of God's grace comes into his life and it drowns out every lie of the devil that says you'll fall. You'll fall. No, God said you won't fall. I'll gird you up. I'll guide you. I'll lead you. I'll help you. I'll save you with my bride and my bride and my, my mighty right hand. That's how we got to impart grace. We see the one struggling in the finances and we say, hey, you're going to make it. God's going to bring increase in your life. How do you know that? Let me tell you something. I know that because when my wife was in college and Grant was two and a half years old, he believes I'm El Shaddai now. But there was a time that if mama had a flat tire, we was in a financial burden. But God's been faithful to me. Yes, he has. Listen, when I used to be at the phone company, when I'd go in there and get a raise, they would say, well, they ain't giving but 3% this year. I would walk out of there with 10 and 12%. Why? Because God is faithful. We don't sow our money to be broke. I didn't put money in that plate this morning to be broke. That money didn't leave my life. It'll stay in my life. And it'll bring increase every year into my life and my children's lives. Father, I speak blessing over your people this morning. Speak over your business. Speak over your home. Speak over your marriage. Speak over it. We're going to live. We're going we're gonna to be married 50 years. We're going to be married 60 years. Father, I just thank you, Lord, for your love, your grace, and your mercy in our lives. We love you with everything, Jesus. Father, we love you. We love you. We love you, Jesus. Matt, would you just sing that just for a second? Just sing that. It's always springtime. Come on, drink it in. Just for just a few seconds. Just sing that line or so right there. In there. Just close your eyes. Think about how good your daddy is to you. It's always springtime. I don't have a voice. You got to sing it. <laughs> you don't want me to sing it. I always barely can preach more. Let's sing. Springtime with you. Yes. You're always making everything new. Father, it's you're making it new. Always springtime with you. Yes. You're always making everything new. Yes. It's always like springtime. I don't have a voice, but the Holy Spirit still has a voice, and He speaks to you today. Yes. He says that it's, it's always like springtime. Though yes. we've said, and we've said wrong words, and we've declared wrong things, it's time to change the way we say the words. Watch your words. Watch your words, because words become actions. And watch your actions, because actions become habits. Come and watch on. your habits, because habits become character. And watch your character, because your character determines your destiny. Come on. If we rewind it all the way back, it starts with our thoughts. Come so on. So we repent of thoughts, wrong yes. thoughts. To repent means to change your mind. So yes. we change our minds right now. And we yes. think differently. We think differently. Yes. And if we'll think differently, then our destinies will be different. It shall not be what the world has said, but it shall be what you have declared. For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans to prosper you and not to harm you. Plans yes. to prosper. You've been lied to. You've been lied to. You've been cheated. I want to prosper you. I don't want to harm you. But I want to give you a hope and a future. And so we release the word of the Lord. Yes. That his divine power has given us everything we need for life and godliness. His divine power has given us everything we need. Eye has not seen and ear has not heard. Nor have entered into the heart of man. The things that God has prepared yes. for those who love him. But he has revealed yes. them to us by his spirit. For the spirit searches all things. Yes. Even the deep things of God. Yes. For what man knows the things of a man except the spirit of the man which is in him. And even so, no one knows yes. the things of God but the spirit of God. And Thank now you, we Lord. have received. Lift your hands. Lift your hands. Yes. Now we have received. Right now. Not yes, tomorrow. Lord. Not 
10 years from now, but right now we have received not the spirit of the world, but the spirit who is from God. Why? That we might know the things that have been freely given to us by God. Let us see that that's been deposited in us before the foundation of the world. Let us realize that we hold this treasure in earthen vessels and that the promises of God are yes and amen. Renew them in our day and in our time. Today, make yourself known. And we just say, use me. Yes, God. Use me. Use me. Yes, Jesus. Just whisper that to him right now. Use me, use me, use me. Yes, God. Fill us, Holy Spirit. Yes. And fill me, fill me. Yes, Jesus. Fill me. Jesus said it's expedient that I go so he could send the Holy Spirit. If Jesus were still on the earth, we'd have to fly to Tel Aviv and get on a bus and drive to him and there would be just hours upon hours of waiting because he would be surrounded by hundreds of thousands of people to see Jesus but he said it's expedient that I go it's better that I go that I could send the comforter the Holy Spirit yes that he would be in us that we would have access to him at any point in the day that he's in us the Holy Spirit and he's put the Holy Spirit in us for us for fellowship but he's on us for others yes he's in me for me but he's on me for you he fills us for ourselves, for fellowship, but He comes upon us for an overflow for other people. The overflow is for those around us. Yes. And He said, you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you to be my witnesses. He's in us for us, for fellowship, but He's on us for service, to be His witnesses. So now, I know, one more time, one more time, lift your hands, and if you'll just put your palms towards your face, Just turn your palms toward that He wants to fill us. That He wants to fill us. Yes. He wants to fill us right now. Thank you, Jesus. Gross darkness covers the earth. Deep darkness, the people. But the glory of the Lord is risen upon you right now. Yes. And the Holy Spirit is on you right now. Even if you don't feel it, by faith we receive. And you shall receive power. Yes. Power. Yes. Power. Yes. I'm going to pray one more prayer over you, and we're going to go home. Come on, just ask the Lord for vision. Just give me fresh vision to speak out of my mouth. Come on, let's begin to see our families different. Come on. Begin to see your business just thriving and going. Come on, let's just begin to pray that. I was just reminded, I, I, I remember T.D. Jake saying when he was a little boy that his daddy would put him in the back seat and he would ride him through the nicest neighborhoods and he would say, T.D., God's got his hand on you. You're going to do great things. You're going to do great things. And then when he was in West Virginia, there were several leaders of whatever told him, he said, T.D., he said, don't, don't, you cannot preach. you got such a bad lisp. People just are not going to listen to that. You think people are listening to it? Let's speak encouragement. Let's speak encouragement. God, I pray, use me. Use me today and this week to bring encouragement and to bring in life into someone else's life. Use me just as Matt declared, the Holy Spirit is in me for me, but He's upon me for somebody else. Use me throughout this community. Use me when I go to Walmart, when I go to Gander Mountain, when I go wherever I'm about to go, God, when I go to Sisters and eat some chicken. Use me, God, in Jesus' mighty name. Amen and amen. Hug your neighbor. Tell them you love them. We'll see you Wednesday.